Can you hear the kids right now? Yeah. I can. They're being loud out there. Think we should tell them to be quiet? Nah, it'll be all right. It's real. It's explicitly us. Oh, we didn't record your button. Excuse me? We didn't record your button. What does that mean? If they want to reach us, where would they reach us uh, at? Explicitly us at gmail.com. Yeah. We didn't record it, but next week we won't record it either. <laughs> but we'll try. Maybe in the future. Anyways, I'm looking forward to today. I feel very relaxed, except for the kids screaming in the background. We just had a really good meal. I always feel relaxed after a good meal. Mm. Did you like it? I did. Today was me. I made the meal today. It was a little bit a little bit on the greasy side, but it was okay. Philly cheesesteak. We've had them a few times. Flavor's good. I feel mm-hmm. like this was, for some reason, the other times they weren't ever greasy. Yeah. I don't know why these were. I don't know. I enjoyed them, though. Well, I think anybody who's listening that's going to stay with us are here. So, are you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. Hello and welcome to Explicitly Us. Whether you're young, old, single or married, this podcast is for you. Light-hearted, family-friendly and full of laughs, it is guaranteed to put a smile on your face. So get on the treadmill or get another slice of cake, but just get ready because here they are. Live at the time of this recording, all the way from Table 19, your Pizzas Ready studio, here are your hosts, Andy and Trista. music always makes me happy. I don't really want to change it. Then don't. I don't think we should. You know what we tried the other day too? You know what we could do? We could do a whole series on food review. Just different foods. We kind of do that every week though. I know. Not on purpose. We really actually just start talking about it usually for instance the other day we tried something for the very first time DiGiorno DiGiorno's uh, croissant crust pizza I liked it I did as well I wonder if anybody else has tried it have you tried it, it not a, you it was yeah. a good change up it was they've they've got like four we we figured out right that we know of (laughs) so they have the croissant crust pizza the rising crust pizza the thin crust thin crust pizza i have to say pizza after all of them (laughs) and the deep dish deep dish it's called yeah those four i feel like in the past they've had and they might still have cheese stuffed cheese crust Mm. We don't ever get that because they don't have it here. I would get it if they did. Out of those four, I think I think that croissant crust is pretty good. I, for some reason, the bottom of the pizza gets the best crisp to it. It's nice and crispy. I think it was like the buttery flakiness mm-hmm. gave it a good crisp. Yeah, I don't know why the others don't get as crispy, but this one does. 
and I really enjoyed it. I like that. And then we always, of course, put our own toppings on. So if you were to rank the different pizzas, how would you rank them? I think I liked the croissant for now best. <laughs> for it now, may change until we get tired future. of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, then maybe the deep dish next, the rising crust, and then thin crust would be last because I like a good crust. I'm a, yes. I'm a crust eater. You're kind of crusty. I'm crusty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Crust is good. It's fine. But I have a problem with my weight. And I don't like crust so much that it's hard for me. It's not hard it's for me. It's a waste of calories It's a waste of you. calories for me. I mean, there's other things that I like a whole lot more than crust. But... I can understand how people like crust. I personally like your crust better than any DiGiorno crust. The The bread you've been making lately yeah. for pizza has been spectacular. What are you putting in it? Uh, I just started adding some um, oregano and garlic powder to the dough. Yeah, that oregano is pretty phenomenal. It adds a little flavor for sure and garlic i think you said garlic powder. yeah some garlic powder very good whenever you're i just paused that because <laughs> the dog was barking and as soon as i push play he started barking again. he really is our alarm system like if anybody's walking by anybody yeah. drives up and stops he only barks if they if the car stops yeah you know yeah Wish he would, he would do a more menacing bark and not an excited bark. <laughs> so happy. Yeah. Really. Doesn't really match his appearance, does no, it? No, it doesn't. So last couple of weeks, we've put out a couple bangers, some good podcast. Uh, made a lot of mistakes, man. We have made a lot of mistakes in the last few weeks, and our faithful listeners are... Thankfully, they're letting us know about it. You said that, but you really haven't told me about any of these conversations you've had with people. Yeah, so I like to letting you tell us what people are saying. I like to surprise you. Okay, I thought I told you about some of them. First, first one was all you told me was that people were talking to you about saying "deer" in Spanish or something. Oh yeah, a few people were looked that up, and I think we came around to what it what it was and what it means. Anyway, uh, so one of the first that we made a while back was we incorrectly said that underwater polo was in the Olympics. It's not. Um, I came across a video that was an international competition, right? Um, during the time. During the, the time of the Olympics. On. And so the assumption there was that it was, you know, a report. A video that they just put out, and then come to find out it wasn't. But it was a sport. It, it was is a sport. Like it's definitely a sport. Underwater polo, not underwater polo, underwater hockey. Forgive that's me. That's what it's called. I believe so. <laughs> I mean, that's what they called it on YouTube. But yeah. underwater hockey, and it was an international competition at the time, but it's not, as far as I can tell, in the Olympics. So yet. maybe that'll yet. be the next one they add. Yeah. What did you think of the, the ones they added this year? I didn't watch any of them. I think it was skateboarding and surfing. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch either of those competitions. Yeah. I, I understand how they judge skateboarding. I'm not sure how you judge surfing. 
Um, is it kind of like bull riding? Well, I'm sure it's however they judge any surfing competitions. It just falls over into the Olympics the same way. Yeah, but I, I don't know how they judge. I'm sure surfing. there's a point system. How long you stay on? But it's not like you can you do tricks and get points. No, I'm really not sure. It I I see in bull riding if the bull has a certain ranking or the you know the the more fierce the bull is and you stay on for eight seconds and you you of course have a good ride as far as you know your offhand can't touch the bull and things like that uh and there's some other rules in there um the better ride you have the better score it's a it's a you're judged Mm -hmm. right and and if the bull is like lazy and not doing much doesn't matter what you do you're not going to get a very good score so you want the meanest, orneriest bull out there that's going to jump real high, you know. So is that, that what I'm saying is, is that kind of what it's like to Are they rated on the size of the away? wave? Yeah, do you, do you wait for a, a, the right wave? Do you pick your waves and wait for just the right size and then take that wave and then ride it really good and then you get a, I don't know. These are good questions. I'm not going to get an answer. You all go <laughs> figure it out because I'm not going to look it up. How is surfing scored? Let us I'm know. Very curious about that. Skateboarding. Yeah, I, I watched some, um, I guess, during the Olympics, just some highlights and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Pretty gnarly, I think, is the correct phrase to use there. I think the U.S. did okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know about the medals there. Um, so, all in all, it was, uh, you know, the Olympics were okay. Uh, wasn't my favorite Olympics this year. And that was one of your critiques, was that that event was not an Olympic event. That's what somebody told you. Yeah. Is this an email or a text message? Uh, text. Okay. It was a text. Um, and yeah, I guess it was um, one of the critiques back to us was... What else are people saying? Um, well, really good information, actually. Not and The critiques aren't bad things. They're, they're good to know um, because we have, let's be honest, we really have no idea what we're talking about. We on don't this do show. a lot of research. We just get on here and talk. Yeah, that's exactly what we do. So if you're looking, y'all need to fact check. Us. <laughs> <laughs> you are the fact checker. If you're on here, get, getting any kind of advice or, <laughs> you know, good information, move on. Uh, so uh, somebody else mentioned, uh, really, I thought this is very handy was we were talking about uh, our steak choice. The tenderloin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they made the statement that the beef tenderloin is actually where the filet mignon is cut from. <laughs> you did tell me this one. <laughs> Which is funny because now it's like, oh, we have the filet mignon. <laughs> and I didn't know that. But it was pretty that good. It's funny. It's a, good, it's a good cut of meat. And now we know why. And we had some of that a couple of days ago. Yeah. And I think the only difference is... Usually when you have filet mignon, you have it thick. It's right, pretty thick. Right. Um, we do not cut ours thick. We cut ours. It's sore. usually circular, isn't it? Like I think they probably form it up a little bit. Maybe. They might, and they might cut some of the fat off. And you know how uh, on the tenderloin, there's kind of two sections. They probably take, they probably take that section and cut it off long ways, and then kind of make it more formed. And then, then uh, they sometimes they wrap bacon around it, mm-hmm. which is good. But you like that? Yeah. The thing is, I don't think ours will cook fast enough. Like, I don't think the bacon will cook fast enough for it to cook through the center of the way. Like, I'll have to figure that out. 
I'll have to figure it out. But it was good. Thank you for the correction. We appreciate it, all the advice. And let's see here. What was the other one? I feel like I have an email in here. Oh, yeah. Possible titles, because last week I didn't have a title. Possible titles for last week. Here you go. You ready? Candy, candy, and more candy. I guess we like candy. (laughs) We were talking about candy. Uh, A primer on steaks. Mm -hmm. The early Olympics. This is the third title. The early Olympics. Because we had Paul Harvey talking about the early Olympics. Mm -hmm. And then the oldies still needed to hold us together. The Harmons. Yeah. We still need the oldies. <laughs> they are still offended. I called them the oldies. Can you believe that? Well. We hurt their feelings and they exactly are not. flattering. They are not done. <laughs> They're going to hold that over our heads forever. But all in all, I think the last couple of weeks have been great. Not much has happened here in the family. We started school. We did start school this week. I mean, it was pretty uneventful, which is good. Yeah, it's a good week. <laughs> I've been I've been kind of preoccupied in my mind lately because of Afghanistan and all that's going on oh, over yeah. there. Um, it was a busy week with that. Yeah, it's really sad. It's a, it's a twenty years, twenty years, um, and really it's come to an end. Back to square one, it would seem. It would seem back to square one, and time will tell. I don't I don't think it was handled correctly at all. Um, we came across a letter, you know, let's read that letter. Can you get me my phone over there? I think that's a good letter. Um, a family member of ours is in the military and in the Marines and they're, uh, generally he has a title here. Let me get to it. I want to read this. I want to read this letter. Are you allowed to? Yeah. It wasn't confidential, I guess. Nah. Now, this is, uh, let's see, it's addressed to Marines, so no, it's not confidential. Um, The general um, commandant of the Marine Corps is what he's called, commandant of the Marine Corps. Um, He wrote a letter to the Marines primarily because if you've been watching the news on Afghanistan, you'll know that some people who served uh, in that war have been um, some of them hurt uh, jaded by feeling like their service was all for nothing Um, the loss of their friends, limbs um, marriages relationships uh, were for nothing and um that's, man, that's hard to, to get through. And the commandant of the Marine Corps, and I should say, along with him, in conjunction with him, the sergeant major of the Marine Corps, wrote this letter. This is not a private letter, um, but it was addressed to the Marines. And I think this is a very, very good sentiment. I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to try to read it with the correct punctuation. As each of us tries to comprehend the speed and scope of events in Afghanistan this week. Some may struggle. May you go back. Some may be struggling with a simple question. Was it all worth it? 
We see videos and photos. We read stories and bring back memories for some of us, and it becomes intensely personal. We value human life, and we want to believe that what Marines have done in Afghanistan made a difference. While Sergeant Major Black and I don't presume to speak for you or your family, we would like to offer our thoughts so you know where your senior leaders stand. We both believe, without question, that your service was meaningful, powerful, and important. You answered the call to serve proudly, carrying the torch of so many generations of Marines before you. You put the good of others before yourself. You fought to defend your country, your family, your friends, and your neighbors. You fought to prevent terror from the return. I'm sorry. You fought to prevent terror from returning to our shores. You fought for the liberty of young Afghan girls, women, boys, and men who want the same individual freedoms we enjoy as Americans. You fought for the Marines to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. You never, ever gave up. You lived with purpose, with intention. Whether you realize it or not, you set an example for subsequent generations of Marines and Americans by living our core values of honor, courage, and commitment. Was it worth it? Yes. Does it still hurt? Yes. Since 2001, Marines have served honorably and courageously to bring peace to the people of Afghanistan. You should take pride in your service. It gives meaning to the sacrifice of all Marines who served, including those whose sacrifice was ultimate. Over the coming days and weeks, we encourage you to connect with your fellow Marines and their families, particularly those you served with overseas. This is a time to come together and give further meaning to our motto, Semper Fidelis. I hope I pronounced that right. Let us remain faithful to our fellow Marines, faithful to the Marine families, and faithful to the memories of all who have sacrificed. We are intensely proud to serve alongside you as your Commandant and Sergeant Major, Semper Fidelis, David H. Berger, Troy E. Black. I thought that was a very good letter, something that I wish our president would share in sentiment. Unfortunately, he's only interested in his party, not in America. So, on that somber note, man, it's been a it's been a tough week. We could go back. September's coming up. We should do a special on September 11th week. Uh, of remembrance because that was a, a crazy time in my life and we're coming up on that anniversary again which also means that we're coming up on our one year anniversary of doing the podcast only one year because i'm pretty sure like that was the first week where we started and we didn't do a tribute or talk about it and we mm-hmm. were like we should have talked about it that was our first. I think that was like the first week. It hasn't been more than a year, like I two mean, years. You've got it in front of you. You can look at it. Uh, where? Wherever it says the podcast, you can look up when it was first published. The first episode oh, went out. Yeah, I can go online and do that. I could, you could. If, if I wanted to. Right there in front of you I if could. you wanted to. If I was so and inclined. We could know for sure. If I was so inclined. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been It's been a somber week. A lot of craziness going on, but God's in control, not too worried about it, burdened about it, not too worried about it, 
Well, does the word that you have of the day have anything to do with what we've been talking about today, or is it completely a different direction? Um, it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> what does it have to do with? Hold on. I was trying to look up this podcast and oh my it's goodness. playing. I can do it faster than that, Trista. It's right here. Now it's just playing in the background. Hold on. Mm, actually, oh, here we go. I'll find it. Hold on. She's not going to be able to concentrate until I get to it. I'm not. We got to know now. Uh, show all episodes. September 9th, 2020. See? Uh, actually, September 14th was the pilot. A one-year anniversary. Right Man, I, I hate to share an anniversary. I pick the worst days for anniversaries, don't I? Our church's anniversary is September. on Labor Day. Well, they're both in September. Yeah. Eh, craziness. Anyways. Two kids born in September. Oh, my word. September's a busy month. <laughs> what were we thinking? What were we thinking? We did not plan that well. No, no. <laughs> Um, Anywho, yeah, I do have a word of the day. It's a nice, simple one, actually. Tell me if you've heard it before. Okay. It's a verb. Mm -hmm. The word is cadge. Cadge? Cadge. Spell it, please. C-A-D-G-E. Cadge. Cadge, like badge, cadge. Cadge, no. Means to beg or to sponge. To cadge. So like a beggar on the streets, like. Trying to catch, catching, like the sentence they gave was the dog catched watermelon from the boy. Hmm. Catch. All right. Now, what country of origin? I don't know. Don't tell me this is from the U.S. because it's not. Well, the reason I ask because you always get these English words, but yet, I mean, in Australia, it's English, but that sounds like something that could be from like Australia. Catch. I followed an account on Instagram. Oh no. And it's it's like a homeschooling account. And that's why homeschoolers get made fun of. They, they go to give, college and use words like catch. They give a lot of educational information and one of the things they do once a week that they post is a word that's not really used much mm-hmm. anymore. You know, like I do on here, a word of the day that uh-huh. we don't know. Right. They do the same thing apparently. So I steal theirs. Gotcha. So I did not look up like where it came from and all that. Paying it forward. Yeah. It saves me a little time. Cadge. I think we could find a way to use that this week. Listener. Looks like it's British. Go figure. Those stinking Brits. They get up. They are so snotty with their English language, aren't they? Their sentences. Their sentences. He eats whenever he can cadge a meal. Yeah, that doesn't sound very American at all. But we can use it. To catch. See if you can use it this week. If you have a dog, you can definitely use it. Or if you have kids, you could definitely use it. All you have to do is anytime during the day say, don't catch. It's beneath you. Don't catch. Stop catching for that snack. Now you're starting like a New York, uh, not New York, but a Northern. Don't catch. Hey now. I want your cash on me. No cashing over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I think we can do that one. I think we can do it. So, this week, uh, I have uh, Mr. Paul Harvey up that I've never heard. I mean, there's a lot I've never heard. But I thought this would be interesting. 
because I know the subject matter and it's something that I rather enjoy. So okay. follow along, see if you recognize the story before it ends, okay? All right. Now, the rest of the story. I'm going to introduce you to a physician named Arthur who might otherwise be referred to as Dr. Failure. Hard as he tried, he simply could not get the hang of the medical profession. Ordinarily, when one is just not suited to be a doctor, he or she will not make it through medical school. Arthur, however, had a keen mind. He did quite well in the academic side of medicine. It was after he had completed his education that his difficulties began. For example, in October of 1890, he traveled to Berlin. He'd heard of a Dr. Koch's claim to have discovered a cure for pulmonary tuberculosis. For weeks, Arthur learned all he could about lungs. Somehow it only inspired him to become an eye specialist. All right. A series of lectures on ophthalmology had been scheduled for the following January in Vienna. Arthur decided to attend. It was only after he got there, after he was sitting in the lecture hall, that British Arthur realized the lectures were in German. He could barely converse in German, much less understand the German words for sophisticated medical terms. So, Arthur remained in Vienna for several weeks, learning how to ice skate. And when Arthur returned to England, he really earned the title of Dr. Failure. By now, it was late March 1891. Arthur rented a small apartment at number 23 Montague Place, London's Russell Square. The private office he chose was located only a few hundred yards away at number 2 Devonshire Place. For years, Arthur had looked forward to this private practice. His office's Devonshire Place address put him in the midst of London's most renowned, most respected physicians. Specialists whose names Arthur had known all of his life were now his neighbors. And as a doctor, Arthur felt certain he had arrived. So he hung out his shingle. He waited. Nobody came. That was the first day. After which Arthur went home and told his wife... Both had anticipated a slow going at first. They had known that it would take time to establish a new practice and to build the confidence of neighborhood patients. But the second day was like the first. Nobody visited Arthur's office, not a single patient. That evening, Arthur's wife asked if the plate with his name on it were clearly visible from the street. Well, Arthur checked and assured her that it was his name and the designation of his practice, consulting oculist. Nobody who had passed that door could ignore the presence of an eye specialist. And yet it just seemed that nobody cared. Day in, day out, Arthur walked from his apartment to his office, arriving at 10 in the morning, remaining until 3 or 4 in the afternoon, and weeks went by, and still Arthur failed to attract a solitary patient. Arthur was Dr. Failure, almost as though he were destined to be disappointed in the field of medicine, not one patient ever did knock on his office door. Not one. But did I tell you how Arthur killed all that time while waiting for patients to show up? Well, he amused himself by writing. He turned what had been little more than a hobby into a full-time profession. What a shame for the literary world. If Arthur had been a success as a physician, for he was Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. And now you know the rest of the story. 
How long did it take you to get that? The very end. (laughs) Always. He always does that. He's good at it. Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay. Do you remember listening to those with the kids? Sherlock Holmes? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. On audiobook? Yes. When I had, uh, still have Audible. I use it a lot. And one of, you get, uh, with your monthly subscription, you get a free download. Uh, any book, any price, free download. And so I often will look for a book that I would enjoy, but that is really quite expensive to try to make the most of my monthly subscription, you know. And I found the set uh, of Arthur Conan Doyle to be bought in a set. Um, and it was like $100 or something. Uh, it was it was something really high. And, and just one purchase line item you can buy in a set. And then there's also, you know, each individual book. But I tried to buy it as a set and was able to buy the entire collection on Audible for one token, one freebie. So it was. It was a good choice. So I've listened to a lot of his books. I like them. Grew up with them. All the different movies that they made about him back in the day were like the series of them. Those were so, so fun to watch as kids. So, I was sitting over here thinking, first of all, I hope you all enjoyed that story. As we're coming up on um, September and the anniversary of 9-11, I was trying to think of how to do a tribute uh, show, and here's what I'm thinking. Tell me if you think this is a good idea or not, because this is the first that you're hearing about it, obviously. What about from now until then, if we allow people to write in where they were. Yeah. Okay. You can write as little or as much as you want. You can write just one line where you were. You can write a paragraph about what was going behind the scenes and how you heard about it and what your reaction was. Uh, You can write a patriotic poem if you are so inclined. If you have thoughts about 9-11, some of your Memories, if there's something pleasant to look back on on those days. If you want to mention somebody's name that you might have known that we lost in either the Trade Center, the Pentagon, or the flight that went down. If you know anybody um, during that time, feel free to share that. And what we'll do for the entire podcast is we will just read these off as long as it takes. We'll read through these and just dedicate the show in that form. So if you remember that and you, you say, oh, I don't want to write a whole bunch, that's fine. It would be great to have several dozen of just where you were. So if you don't, if you don't want to sit down and write an email, that's fine. But at least write where you were, what you were doing, maybe your age, uh, were you married, who were you with, you know, those kinds of things. And, and we'll uh, have ours. And of well. course we'll have ours. And uh, your response, your reaction um, and those kinds of things, how it impacted your life still to this day. Uh, do that, and we'll remind you uh, also next week to do the same. But start getting it turned in now, if you would. And then if you think of something afterwards, an amendment to your first, send that as well, and we'll we'll make the appropriate amendments. Explicitly us at gmail.com. That's where you're writing to. So do that, and hey, we'll appreciate it. It's going to be good it's going to be refreshing it's going to be sobering um 
but it, it's for all the bad that happened there was some very um boy i don't know what word to use very encouraging things to that we saw in our country at that time things i would like to see again but not by that method yeah but um hey if you remember where you were you remember and so get that ready bring it back to us hope you enjoyed the show today and uh, we are ready to get out of here yes dear love you love you too (laughs) thanks appreciate it thank you thank you for joining us on the explicitly us podcast if you haven't subscribed please do you'll be the first to listen to our show when it's released every monday see you next time on explicitly us I pushed the button twice. Did you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Such a failure.